Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the entrepreneurs, business executives, and community leaders sparking the rise of the greater Bentonville area, representing one of the fastest growing economies and cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. This is part two of a two-part series about the fuel, artificial intelligence, and machine learning accelerator. You'll hear from founders and entrepreneurs of the companies in the current cohort. So sit back and enjoy these conversations. And here comes the first one. Okay, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Dexter Cathy, who is the founder and chief disruptor at SmartEye Technology, who was based in Atlanta yesterday, but relocated to Bentonville today. Dexter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, James. Well, what should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Well, I think uh, originally I'm from Ohio and I moved to Atlanta like 20 plus years ago. And um, recently I did my 23andMe DNA test and found that I was actually uh, descendant of Pharaoh Ramses III, so which was a shock to me um, and to my family as well. <laughs> that is such a cool story. I remember the first time you told me about it and y'all... Look at his face now. Um, after this episode's over, go ahead and Google Ramsey three, and you're going to find out that you've already seen him right here today. It is, it's kind of freaky. It's, it's cool. very freaky. Yes. I mean, what, what was that like when you first pulled up a picture? You've told me the story, but tell the audience. That's that a great story. question, James. What happened was I was laying in my bed on Christmas Day. I'll never forget. And I was going through my 23andMe DNA test and I saw that I was connected to Pharaoh Ramses III. And I said, who in the heck is Pharaoh Ramses III? And then I looked up, looked him up on online and I saw uh, um, his sculpture and I screamed. And my wife said, Dexter, what's wrong? I said, this guy, this guy from 4,000 years ago, we look just alike. And she said, what are you talking about? There's a picture from 4,000 years. I said, no, his sculpture, we look just alike. So I showed it to my wife. She said, oh my goodness. And um, at that point, I told my wife, I don't need a breakfast with pancakes and eggs. <laughs> now they need a breakfast with a, a big spread now. She said, Dexter, there's a pot, there's a pan, so you know how to cook. So that was my, <laughs> my short fame. <laughs> the Pharaoh had it better. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dexter, uh, let's talk about your company. Let's talk about Smart Eye Technology. Who do you serve? Uh, what problem are you solving for them? And how do you do that? That's a great question. So what the area that we focus on is really like the um, banking industry is one of the core areas that we focus on. Uh, and the reason why is because a lot of times in the banking industry, you have hackers constantly going after trying to get into accounts to wire money out or to transfer money or do ACH um, uh, damage to accounts. So SmartEye actually protects uh, those accounts. But actually, um, when you put your username and password, SmartEye actually uses biometric uh, authentication, meaning your facial recognition um, um, by other biometrics, fingerprint in order to authenticate you as a person, not a username, not a password, but actually you. And so we use what's called continuous uh, facial recognition that continuously uh, monitors your face every second that you're looking at that screen, whether it's your bank account or whether it's a, a, a medical record. So we're constantly scanning your face just to make sure it's you. And then if you turn your face away from the screen, 
that screen will go blank because we cannot authenticate your face anymore. Man, that is beyond neat. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a ton of applications for this, whether it's in uh, healthcare, banking, aerospace, defense. Um, you can really uh, change uh, some things I think about the, um, you know, folks who were affected by, we talked about this the other day, folks who were affected by things like the uh, OPM, the Office of Personnel Management for the U.S. government breach. Absolutely. Millions, tens of millions of people Absolutely. who were affected. Uh, could you talk about uh, how, like, how your technology could have stopped something like that from happening? Very easily, James. Um, that's a great question. Uh, what happens in most breaches, over 90%, um, passwords and usernames are actually the reason why breaches happen. Mm -hmm. So a hacker will send you an email saying, hey, James, this is Dexter. Click on my fun uh, videos from my vacation. And you click on those videos. It wasn't from Dexter, it was from a hacker. So they get your credentials, whether it's your banking account credentials, your um, where you, if you buy things online credentials, they'll get those credentials, your username and password, and they go to those locations and they actually access your data. If you, of course, if you have a two-factor on there, it may challenge them a little bit, but they'll still get past that as well. Wow. So SmartEye actually steps in and says, wait a minute, after you put your username, password, and the two-factor in, that's not good enough. That's 1990s technology. So what SmartEye does, we actually authenticate your face, your fingerprint, your voice, uh, again, your face continuously to really authenticate you as a person. That's impressive. Well, let's go a step further. Say I want to hack into OPM's system. How can you stop that from happening to stop tens of millions of people from getting well, their information a, that's stolen? That's a database. So in the situation where all that data is actually located at, you could actually use um, our what's called our SETI mode API, which is the our, our, our core technology that uses continuous facial recognition. Mm -hmm. So if it's in that system, anybody who has access to that system, whether you use a username, password to get into it, your face has to be authenticated continuously at all times to have access to that data. If it's not your face continuously authenticated, that that is that screen blocks that the screen is blocked because that data can't be seen by anybody but just your face. Oh, that is impressive and that's game changing. Totally. Well, thank you for bringing it, uh, and thank you for coming to Fuel to spend time here with it. So, talk about your experiences in Fuel. Then, uh, what did you expect out of the program, and what has happened as a result for you? When I first came to Fuel um, back in August, um, actually, I was invited uh, the last part of July. And they said, you have to be here August 15th. <laughs> so I jumped wow. up and told my wife I have to be in, you know, Bentonville uh, in two weeks uh, for 90 days. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a fast moving train and I, I jumped on that train and I didn't know what to expect originally. And so when I did come to Fuel, um, you know, I expected maybe they teach you things like um, how to talk to corporations, which they did. But at the end of the day, it's about um, helping you understand what it's like to generate revenue from these enterprises and how to approach these enterprises mm -hmm. um, because they don't think like uh, small businesses or uh, everyday individuals. So you have to understand how to approach these enterprises. So I think that was one of the biggest things that I've learned um, because I sold to enterprises in my other business that I was in, um, but it was a financial services business. Technology is different because there's things that you have to put in place that are not just a yes or no answer. Um, there's uh, procedures that have to be done. There's things that have to be checked. There's a, it's a different animal than, than what I did previously. So I actually learned all over again, especially with fuel, to help me understand exactly some of the things that enterprises look for as you do approach them. Yeah, I mean, it just even the concept, right, of selling technology is different. I, I've sold uh, in other places hardware. I've sold consumables. I've sold services. And all of those are different. And so... You know, when folks say, oh, I, I've sold to enterprises before, it's different, especially when you're selling technology and, and you do, like you said, you need to learn the whole process 
over. And that's something that uh, Fuel can uh, bring for you. On top of it, they bring you mentors. They bring you in very close contact with uh, with potential customers. And Absolutely. it's game-changing uh, for companies. And that's a big um, point that you mentioned about um, bringing these uh, big enterprises to us. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like we're just uh, sitting on our own trying to think of who, should, who we should talk to. We're yeah. actually introduced to these big enterprises because of this program. So um, again, nothing is given to you. You have to go out there and work for it, even though things are um, presented to you. Yeah. Um, you have to work it just like anybody else has to work it. It's, it's nothing that's going to be given to you. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about Bentonville. Uh, you signed up for 90 days. Yes, I did. <laughs> and added a plus to it later. So um, this is a loaded question then. How has Bentonville been for you? What has your experience here been? My expectations of Bentonville when I first came, I asked people who've been here like maybe 10 years ago. They said Dexter's very rural, um, not a lot to do. So all these things were in the back of my head. I thought I would see people in straw hats and, you know, with maybe <laughs> a, a, uh, some type of a straw in their mouth or something like that. I was dead wrong, dead wrong. So uh, when I got here to Bentonville, um, I noticed how modern the city was. I noticed how clean the city was. And in fact, this one particular guy, um, my first day here, I was riding my bike through the uh, park and um, he saw a piece of paper on the ground and I saw him bending down. I said, what is this guy doing? He picked up that piece of paper and threw it in the trash can. And I said, what type of place is this where people bend down, pick up trash and put it in the trash can? In Atlanta where I'm from, uh, you don't see that. <laughs> it does change. I mean, it culturally, that's where we're at. I mean, people care so much about this place and they discover this amazing place and they move to this amazing place and then they just become part of that fabric, part of that DNA where you're passing a piece of trash, you pick it up and throw it away because you want a beautiful, clean city. And it is a a different mindset. I've lived in a lot of other places. Uh, I grew up in Central Arkansas. I went to New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, Denver, Memphis before coming here and we're done never leaving. Uh, But man, being in some other places, you just you just don't see that. You're exactly right. Absolutely. And, and I had no intentions of moving here when I first came here. I just came here to go to the program then go back to Atlanta. But when I noticed, James, that, you know, when you're here in Bentonville, um, it's a relationship town mm-hmm. and it's about building relationships. So um, I recognize that um, throughout the program. And, um, you know, I told my wife, hey, listen, uh, we're going to be moving to Bentonville. <laughs> So um, my wife knows she's married. She married a crazy person. So um, she knows that I'm capable of anything. And she just, you know, pretty much said, you know, it's just my wife and I and a dog. So it's not a hard move for us. That's great. Well, (laughs) welcome home. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask you one more question. And you could have very well uh, answered that uh, a moment ago. That was a hashtag because Bentonville story. But I'm going to ask you another one. Tell me a story. This is a hashtag because Bentonville story, something that happened. Oh, I did ask you that, right? No, actually. Okay. Yeah. I I was like, did I ask you that? Or were you talking about your Bentonville experience? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. But I've I've got another story. Yeah, that that would be great. Just um, just on Sunday, what happened to me? I was actually uh, coming from church. I was actually on on Sunday and uh, after the game. And, uh, you know, we need a lot of prayer after that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll be back someday. (laughs) (laughs) And so what happened, I was sitting next to this uh, lady in church and her and her husband. I didn't know this lady from Adam. And so she, the church was over. So I'm getting ready to go. And she says, sir, you know, can you tell me more about you? And what are you doing here? And I said, I'm here in this field program and this and that. And so she said, well, um, are you doing anything for lunch? (laughs) And I said, no. I said, are you doing anything for lunch? She said, no. And then she said, let's go get something to eat with my husband and I. 
So I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of crazy, but I'm hungry. We're a startup. We, you know, we're always looking for, for, for some uh, help here and there. So uh-huh. I said, absolutely, I'll go get a meal. So we went to um, Table Mesa. Nice. And uh, I didn't, I sat next to the door. I said, I don't know whether to run out this door or to uh, hug them when I leave. So I didn't know, I didn't know the people. We had a chance to sit down and talk. Um, I learned more about them and some things that they were doing. And so they learned more about me. And it was really a great uh, opportunity to like meet people. And that, that can only happen here. That's never happened to me in any other place I've been to. And I've been to over 12 different countries last year, um, traveled around the world. And, and that experience has never happened to me on any level. Wow. What a neat experience. Okay. That is hashtag because Bentonville. <laughs> Absolutely. Very cool story. Thank you, Dexter. Thanks for coming on the show and for spending time with me and our audience. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Hey, let me introduce you to Andrew Bart, who is the co-founder and CEO of AlgoFace, which is based in Carefree, Arizona. Andrew, welcome to the show. James, it's a pleasure to meet you again. Hey, uh, tell me about yourself. What should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? So um, I was actually privately adopted from Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was arranged before I was born. I spent literally three days in the state before my family took me uh, up to Baltimore, Maryland, where I was raised for the majority of my childhood. And so coming back to Arkansas as part of the fuel accelerator program was literally my first, you know, experience in Arkansas where I was, you know, able to absorb it. Wow. <laughs> That's a cool introduction. Well, I only grew up in Little Rock and then I moved away for a long time uh, and moved back here to Northwest Arkansas three years ago and am never leaving. So uh, I'm glad you're getting understandable. I'm glad, I'm glad you're getting to experience uh, this and see, you know, Arkansas in, in this way. It's amazing. Uh, talk to me about Algo Face. Who do you serve? What's the problem you're solving? And then how do you do it? So AlgoFace, we make it easier for enterprise-level companies to build and deploy face AI or analysis solutions. Things like virtual try-on uh, for anything from here to here, from your from your you know uh, your neck basically to the top of your head. Uh, that is our area of expertise. So things like virtual try-on for cosmetics, hair extensions, lashes, uh, jewelry, eyewear, things like that. We also enable um, uh, digit, hyper-realistic digital avatars and digital humans, and also um, things like vital sign detection, blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen level, temperature detection, and for telepsychiatry, uh, emotion detection. So we, call, we have an infrastructure that supports building and deploying those types of solutions and many others. Oh, man, that's, that's so cool. Um, I love the angle on uh, the, the healthcare angle. Of course, you know that being my my, my background, but I had not thought about the uh, the emotions detection part of it. Um, at one time, I uh, worked with a group of guys where we almost launched a company uh, that uh, worked with elderly folks mm-hmm. uh, because they suffer from the older they get, the more their friends pass away, and the more they get, uh, many times where they are, are confined to sort of where they live, they become lonelier and lonelier and it leads to a cascade of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, a space that your technology could be used in and really silver change tech, and for lives. sure. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked to a number of parties in this that operate in the silver tech arena mm-hmm. 
for things like remote patient monitoring yeah. and being able to um, uh, bring, you know, look, if, if you are, are uh, you have blood pressure issues mm -hmm. and you have a cuff in your house, every, first of all, you don't want to touch that cuff. Every mm -hmm. time you look at it, you get nervous. Um, but with uh, our technologies, you can look at your cell phone or you can look at your, um, uh, uh, you know, your tablet and uh, take it quickly and seamlessly. And it doesn't have that same feeling of pressure as looking at a, a, a blood pressure cuff sitting no in front intended. of you. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, you, you've got to go get the cuff. You've got to put it on. That's a pain in the tail. You're probably not going to get to it uh, that often. In reality, uh, if you have uh, blood pressure issues and if they're fluctuating, you need to know, know more often. And so the ease of doing that is really great. Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, talk about your experiences with uh, fuel. What did you expect coming into the program and what did you find? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to the Walton Family Foundation for, for making this happen along with Startup Junkie and uh, Tom Douglas and, and Darian Harris and, and Grace. Uh, she's, you know, just they have all been absolutely phenomenal um, and really changed all of our cohort member, you know, team members, all of our lives, uh, impacted them in ways that, you know, I just know we're going to be friends forever. Uh, I, and we're going to have these relationships that are being built through the program forever. Uh, they or, are organically developed, which speaks to the heart of, of Bentonville. Um, there's nothing false <laughs> here. Uh, there's an authenticity uh, to the relationships that are created. Um, and, you know, uh, so much of what I had thought coming into this program has, it, I mean, it's just, I knew coming in and what was really attractive about this specific accelerator versus any other that I've, uh, you know, been exposed to is the fact that this accelerator is focused on helping to acquire uh, and and be better about uh, optimizing the process of acquiring enterprise level customers. All other accelerators, um, you know, or most uh, other accelerators, I should say, are focused on teaching you how to raise money. Yep. Um, and I don't know about you, but I would like a customer any day of the week over the worst deal you ever do, which is selling, you know, equity in your company. So the, what the program has brought. Uh, to to me, to I can speak for my my cohort um, uh, in terms of relationship building. That I, I I can guarantee it that the impacts of this program will be felt six to twelve months from the time that the program ends, which is the enterprise sales cycle. Uh, I I can pretty much guarantee that all of us are going to feel that impact. Relationships for life, revenue in the next six to twelve months sounds pretty exciting. And I love hearing you hearing you talk about revenue in that way and 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 fuels um, differentiator in that way. Uh, look, look, I've run accelerators. I've also um, uh, consulted with in a, in in about a decade. I consulted with or advised or mentored more than a thousand entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And this is a conversation we came back to time and time again. If I never saw anybody celebrate raising money again. I, I will be just, I, I'll, I'll be tickled to death. What I want to see is that they've raised revenue. There's, there's several kinds of money. I'll start with, uh, most of them start with us, right? Friends, families, financiers, fools, um, 
the most important form of cash your company can get. Let me repeat this. The most important form of cash your company can get does not begin with an F. It begins with an R. It's revenue. And it is the only thing in my mind that validates your company. All the money you raise in the world, celebrate it for about two seconds because that's about how much validation you got. That just means somebody somewhere thinks you might have a chance of being one of that small percentage of folks who can be successful. So I love that you uh, the, brought this topic up. Can I you am a, I am a revenue guy. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, as much as I've been an entrepreneur for 24 years uh, in tech, and as much as the fun of chasing the top line is in mm-hmm. our industry, I cannot help and have never been, I was raised to be, you know, I can't help but pay attention to the bottom line uh, growth of the business. And, um, you know, we've built our company really responsibly. We have 23 people as a seed round company. Nice. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we're approaching cash flow neutrality, not even having completed our, our, our you know, full seed round raise yet. So, uh, you know, revenue is important to us. Managing to a bottom line has been important to us and building the business the right way. Uh, you know, that's the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> well, when you get ready to raise and maybe you've met some of the folks already, there are folks around here who will like hearing those, that kind of, uh, those kinds of results uh, that are drawn to those kinds of results when they invest. So um, talk about Bentonville more. You mentioned a little bit. How's this experience been here? And I'd love to know since was this was your first time coming to Bentonville. Is that right? That oh, is correct. Okay. Then I'd, I'm going to ask it, the question. And, and oh my goodness, it, it will not be the last by any stretch. I'm looking to uh, open an, an office here. I'd like to have a presence here. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, uh, very much on my immediate radar. Um, both from a talent acquisition perspective, as well as the exposure to this, uh, you know, everybody talks about Walmart and I appreciate the epicenter of, of Walmart and just how unique it is to have that kind of sponsorship to the community. But the whole, um, you know, I, I, I don't know the full backstory of what Mr. Walton said uh, that caused uh, 1600 plus vendors to mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, decision makers on the ground here. But Oh my God, what brilliance did that bring? Because you have a community here unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere um, uh, where there are true decision makers on the ground and for the fuel program to be able to tap into that and pull that realistically in, 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 a, in a, a small town and take you know eight to 10 cohort members and put us in front of them with meetings. And, and these are direct relationships of, 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 of Tom and Darian and Grace. It's absolutely unlike anything I have ever seen before. Yeah. It it would be very difficult to replicate if that, if not impossible, right? Because, and that's the thing about ecosystems is, you know, people talk about recreating this place and that place. I never want to do that. I want us to be the best next best version of ourselves today and tomorrow and the next day. And, and this is one of those things where if anybody ever wants to replicate Bentonville, good luck. You're going to be second. <laughs> you can never yeah, be better than first. You will be second. Uh, and I encourage you to go be the next best version of yourself in building your town, your place, your city and region. When it's homegrown too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know in different markets that I've, I've, you know, lived in and participated in, um, you know, you have companies that build up and then um, they, the founders will, you know, retire and yeah. sort of evaporate into the community. They may, you know, donate to the, 
you know, the, whatever the business journal, top mm-hmm. 50, um, uh, you know, philanthropic organizations are, but the, 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 the theme of giving back and, and really, um, almost, you know, putting it into the training package of, of training your employees to be a part of the community and give back to that next generation of up and coming entrepreneurs. I mean, Walmart isn't, and the, the Walmart family foundation, from what I can tell as an outsider, it's not just having a name on the side of the building or having a name, you know, or a check cut it. There is a culture, uh, that I, that I see an experience here of, um, you know, VPs, EVPs, you know, and, and, and below that are contributing into these programs and, you know, mentoring into them and opening up their networks, which is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, you're just, you, you, it's, that is extremely rare to find. Uh, I, 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 you know, there are, you're very lucky in Bentonville. Very, very lucky. Yeah, I feel like it. I've lived around a lot of places and all over the country and some places around the world where it doesn't feel that same way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always seems to be a gatekeeper and I'm not saying there's never any gatekeepers here, but there sure are very few and people just want to help. And that's what I love about this oh, place. A hundred percent. We've, we've, I have felt that personally. Excellent. Well, uh, talk about, um, well, let's do this. Let's go to the final questions. Let's go to a hashtag because Bentonville story. What's something that happened? And so, I, you already so, have it on your mind, well, so I'll let I'm you gonna, answer. I'm going to I'm going to tell you two things um, because I I'm I, it would be I would be remiss if I did not mention the two epicenters of my life here. Okay, yeah. so Ramo Wine Bar uh, <laughs> has become. I'm a I'm a wine guy. And, um, uh, back home in Arizona, I have bricks wines and that is the epicenter of my universe there. I, every Wednesday night, I bring 10, 15 people uh, together and, and, you know, no agenda and, and share, nice. introduce, in, introduce them to each other. And, um, you know, good things happen when you connect good people to one another. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, done my best, uh, to recreate that here at Rama. Uh, here it has been every Thursday night course, it's sort of bled into Tuesdays and Wednesdays too, because I just love the people there and it's been a great meeting spot. The other place I want to mention is Blake Street. Oh, yeah. uh, I just, I'm there every morning at 6 a.m. Uh, I am there many, many lunches. I can't tell you the number of absolute legitimate friendships that I have made there that will, I, I mean, I already have plans with people coming to visit me in, in Arizona and me coming back, to, not even to do business, but just because of the friendships that yeah. I've, I've developed. Um, and I brought my wife uh, to Blake Street and we, we made very good friends that, again, uh, you know, family will drag me back here, too. So the second thing that I want to mention uh, about about Bentonville is, and I think this is the total encompassing experience. To walk through the Bentonville Square, I cannot begin to tell you how many times, and I've been here since August, the number of times that I walk through Bentonville Square and somebody screams out of a car window, Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> and it, and they wave to me and I'm trying to turn around and, uh, you know, usually I'm just walking, you know, I walk everywhere here. Um, and I love that part of it, but my goodness, to have a community that just warms up like that and, um, 
you know, embraces you is, is it's magical. It's charming. It's like the Truman show. <laughs> We've heard that before. Hey, to give folks context, it's, you said since August, it is October, uh, but it is so darn easy to build relationships here. And I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Andrew, thank you for spending time with me and the Pentonville Beacon audience. I appreciate you having me. A pleasure. Anytime. Let me introduce you to Mike Romeri, who is the founder and CEO of analytics to go which is based in Saratoga, Florida. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. Will you share with the audience about yourself? What should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Um, so I was a, a management consultant, a partner in a consulting for about 20 years. And the last role that I had, I was asked to uh, uh, take over our technology department which started with me. (laughs) And uh, so we really were slow to focus on technology. So I haven't always been focused on AI at all. And in the course of doing that, uh, I learned a lot and I I met a professor from MIT. Then he and I started a company called Ops Rules, uh, which was an analytics company. And we sold that to Accenture in 2016. And uh, while I was at Accenture, I uh, learned a lot. And uh, two things that I took away were that... uh, uh, one that, um, you know, the world makes it really hard for supply chain practitioners to use AI Yes, uh, for two reasons. One is that uh, they require um, the practitioners to re-engineer their processes. And the second is that there's a lot of complexity with respect to data. And so when we started our current company, we really had our goal to minimize the uh, complexity of using AI for knowledge workers who, you know, focus on supply chain management or, or pricing. Yeah, I always tell folks that if you want to build a product and have great uptake and make life a whole lot easier on yourself, you have to build something that fits into their workflow, right? You can't build something over here that makes it better. It could be a thousand times better, but if it doesn't fit into the workflow, it's going to be very difficult. So really interesting you bring that up. So the CEO of uh, Microsoft has a vision that... uh, uh, Microsoft should provide a co-pilot for individuals in every profession. Mm. And uh, they have one working example, which is for uh, software programmers, where you can ask the co-pilot, used to be called GitHub, to provide uh, known good code for you to use, or it can review the code that you submit and give you suggestions on improvements. Nice. And how far is that away from what we do in supply chain right now? where you know, we spent years, literally years, designing a solution that takes years to deploy. Um, but if, So our goal is really to bring um, the co-pilot concept to supply chain management AI. That's where we hope to go. Very nice. Uh, very nice. Um, so we'll talk about your experiences then with, uh, with Fuel. Um, what did you expect to get out of the program? And then what has happened for you? Um, I think we've always, as a firm, uh, been open to outside thinking and just have to because things move quickly and uh, you never have enough expertise to cover all of the challenges you have to face. And I think, um, you know, in a, in a program like this, there are lots of different topics that are covered and some are topics that you're strong in. A lot are topics that you don't know anything about. And uh, so uh, pricing has been a big challenge for us, for example, and we got some really good 
advice on how, how to price products. And then I think also we've been able to update and continuously improve. We probably have a ways to go, but we're really trying to improve the way we present ourselves to enterprise customers so that they're interested and, uh, and that they, they want to learn more. So we do a very good job um, helping customers and helping them be successful. We do a very poor job explaining what we do and how we do it. And so it's been very helpful in that, that arena for us. Yeah, I understand that <laughs> totally. Um, it's a funny thing on pricing. I always say it's pure magic, uh, but <laughs> I know that there's, there's an art to it. I realized a moment ago, I think I asked you about you and you talked some about the company, but I didn't specifically ask you uh, the question about the company, did sure. I? So I'd love to dial it back a moment and, and ask you more about that, about specifically who you serve. I think you talked a little bit to it and the problem you're solving. You talked a little bit about that, right. but, and how you solve the problem. I'd love it if you could expand sure. uh, on those. So we have a very specific focus on pricing and supply chain management AI mm-hmm. for distributors and retail suppliers. And they have a, a unique requirement because they're all um, supporting, in the end, consumer markets that are pretty fickle. And fickle markets make it hard to predict demand. Mm-hmm. Demand is the number one uh, driver, demand variability is the number one driver of supply chain costs and complexity. And what companies often fail to do is recognize when a change in demand is occurring and they wait too late to address it and then they overcorrect. And I learned a new term since I've been here um, which is called ditch to ditch. Sure. And so they go from being in shortage to being in excess. And I completely understand how that happens because it's very confusing. And once the pressure is on, you have to fix things quickly. You don't have time to really say, well, what's really optimal here and, and take a, a careful step uh, for resolving the problem you have without creating another one you're going to have to work on in the future. No, oh, well, I feel like we saw as consumers, we saw that magnified <laughs> In Absolutely. Very real time right. uh, during during COVID. Right. Uh, so. so what we focus on is we augment ERP. Mm-hmm. So there are very good business process management solutions that exist within ERP for forecasting, for example, or material requirements planning or vendor management. Where where ERP uh, fails is when uh, the plan's not correct. That either the demand wasn't accurate or the suppliers didn't perform the way they're expected to. So then there's a need to optimize uh, or re-optimize what happens. Mm-hmm. AI is very good at addressing that kind of problem and much better than human intelligence can because it's just very complex because there, there are literally an infinite number of scenarios. And how do you search to find one of the better, not even the best, but one of the better scenarios? Wow. And that's what we do. That's, that's awesome. Well, glad to hear it. Uh, so we talked about fuel. Uh, what about Bentonville. How has your experience here in Bentonville been? And I have to ask, I don't know if we've talked about this. Was this your first time to Bentonville yes. or had you been before? Okay, no, great. Not the first time to Arkansas though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, great. So, so I, I visited hot springs many years ago nah. and went to the Derby down there a couple yeah. of years in a row. Oh, that's a lot of fun. It was. Everybody, everybody should have an opportunity to go to the Arkansas Derby once or 10 times. <laughs> and, and frankly, it, if you go to the Arkansas Derby and you see a horse that wins it, uh, you know, you've also likely seen a horse that's going to be in the Kentucky Derby. Yep, absolutely. And oftentimes is is one of the favorites. Yep. So, yeah, check it out. It's a lot <laughs> of fun. Uh, and, oh, one more. I'll give you one more tidbit about uh, Hot Springs. Uh, is that is the uh, only city in the U.S. that's actually inside a national park. Oh, exactly. I didn't can, know that. Yeah, okay. you can cross the street from one side of the main drag in in Hot Springs and be in a national park on the other side of the street, and you're still in the city. <laughs> That's kind of cool. 
so, uh, okay, then let's talk about Bentonville. What's your experience in, in uh, Bentonville, Ben? What did you expect and what have you gotten? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that, uh, you know, the environment here is a lot uh, more professional, more experienced, uh, more innovative. Um, it's just sort of a series of superlatives where you, mm-hmm. you don't expect someplace in Northwest Arkansas to bring together a group of, you know, innovative people from all over the world that get things done. And, and so it's really a pleasure to work with people. Um, everybody's a quick study. It doesn't take long to explain what you do and, and they give you good advice and, uh, you know, it's only your fault if you don't take it. We're kind of like SEC sports. It just means yeah. more, <laughs> or, or maybe we should say you just get more. <laughs> That's right. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, let's close this out with a hashtag because Bentonville <laughs> question. Uh, and that's a, or story. And that's a, a story or something that happened where you look back at it and you go, I think that could only happen in Bentonville. So I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but sure. uh, so our technology team is down in Brazil. Okay. So I brought two of our executives up for the last 10 days because we're very serious about opening an office here. Oh, yeah. And I want them to understand, you know, what Bentonville's like, what the people are like and how to work here effectively. So I've taken them to all of the restaurants that, you know, people would consider to be the best restaurants. Oh, yes. But the one that's been most memorable for them has been the Flying Fish. Right? <laughs> I love because it. Because they, they haven't, you know, the, of course, the, the menu there is very unique for a foreign person. And, you know, the decor is really authentic and, uh, you know, fishing is not such a big pastime in Brazil as it is in the United States. So that's, that's their favorite, believe it or not. No, man, I love flying fish. I I just went there uh, the other day with my wife and had, I I think my meal was, um, I had gumbo. Right. Um, I'm more of a crawfish chowder man myself. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, uh, exactly. I I had um, gumbo. I forget what else I had. And I had, uh, oh, gumbo, frog legs, and gator. Right. That's what I had. Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah, one of the Brazilians had uh, the best dish for us was the fresh trout. Oh, my wife has that all the time. They bring the whole darn thing out yeah, to Yeah, they loved it. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I, in fact, that's what she had. So I knew I was going to have even more to eat <laughs> after <laughs> that. And I'd, at Flying Fish, I don't mind at all. Very cool. Thank you so much for Pleasure. coming Thank on you for the show. Me. Enjoyed speaking with you. Okay. Take care. Okay. Let me introduce you to Kevin Butler uh, with Edify, where he's responsible for strategy and business development. Edify is based in Salt Lake City. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm a bit of a podcast junkie and. Um, have been a regular listener to the show, so it's it's uh, exciting to be be on it this time. Oh man, thanks! I'll I'll put your check in the mail. <laughs> well, you're you're local, so you're kind of the odd man out here in uh, the uh, the fuel accelerator in that way, and so you'll have your own unique experiences too. And I can't wait to hear about them. Um, what should the uh, Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Sure, uh, I think there's there's a couple things. One is um, I. So I live here in Bentonville, uh, been here for in the, in the area for 10 years, but uh, the last four years have been on Bentonville Utility Board, which I think probably most people don't, don't know about. And uh, I think there's, it's maybe speaks to some of the stuff we'll share about later, but uh, Bentonville has its own electric department, for instance. And um, that's, a, that's something I really take a lot of joy in, in giving back and working on. But overall, I am kind of a, um, maybe a, a Swiss army knife of a person in that I have had experiences in a lot of different areas. I started on Wall Street as an investment banker, then an investor, and then 
did a PhD, so a little bit of time in academia and um, have been working for the last several years in kind of tech and product development. So, um, you know, I, I cover a lot of different areas and uh, yeah, kind of in, in some ways makes it harder to find me, but also makes me, me valuable in certain situations. So I, yeah. I, I like dabbling in a lot of different things. That's cool. I mean, you just represent one of the many cool kids in this uh, city <laughs> who has such interesting background. I think we could spend, I'd like to do a podcast someday where I'm just talking with people and talking about their backgrounds. Um, and, and I guess I could really talk to everybody. So regardless of what their job is, and we'll just call it average Joe, uh, and <laughs> I like hear all these really cool stories. I, I have to ask, how, how did you end up on the, uh, Bentonville utility board? How does that happen? Well, it was, uh, I, I always wanted to get involved somehow in local government just to kind of give back. And, yeah. uh, my wife and I just moved from Fayetteville to Bentonville, bought a house up here. And so I was looking around, like, is, is there anything out there? And uh, I stumbled upon an article that was saying that city was about to start a utility board. So we didn't have one before then. And I said, okay, let me, let me dig into this. And um, I previously had worked as an institutional investor at a hedge fund and had a lot of investments that were kind of utility-like in nature. Uh, and so it was, it was something where I felt like I could take my professional life and directly apply it and giving back to the city and, and helping out there. So. That was a, it was a really just timing thing, but it's it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and interesting to learn and, and serve there. Yeah, thanks for bringing your experiences and expertise to bear to help this great city. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll talk to the audience for a moment about that. <laughs> uh, you know, you have some great opportunities if you're here in Bendonville really to give back to the city and join uh, boards like uh, this. Um, another recent one is the Attainable Housing. Uh, work group. There's all the time. There's work groups and different boards that you can join. Um, and so just reach out to the city of Bentonville uh, and and ask them what's available. Go to their website. You can see what's available. Um, if you don't know, you know, exactly what you can do, just start talking with people uh, at the city. If you have ideas for this cities or th city or things you'd like to, to, to see implemented here, uh, Again, talk to the city, reach out to Mayor Orman. I know she's very uh, accessible. We had her on this show uh, a few weeks ago, and I think she might have even given out her email address, but she she at least shared in some way how to reach her and that she's very accessible. But um, this is a place where you can um, you can really give back and be part of the community. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, talk about Edify. What is it that Edify does or who do they serve? Uh, what does the, uh, company do to solve or what, let me try to ask this question again. Um, who does Edify serve? What problems are they solving and how do they do that? Yeah. So, uh, our name's Edify, our website's edify.ai. People want to find out more, but we make workplace safety software. So, uh, think of high risk industries like construction, warehouses, manufacturing, uh, we make software for those industries where our goal is that every employee comes home safe every night. Um, and so what we do is through our data and analytics platform, we're able to help companies identify and understand the risks they face when it comes to workplace injuries and then provide them with actionable insights to help drive changes in behavior and ultimately uh, reduce accidents, uh, which on, on its own is, is a wonderful thing. Uh, we're really passionate about that and believe in that. But it turns out that 
being more safe actually has a huge economic benefit to companies as well. And uh, you reduce claims and, uh, you know, you see drastic decreases in insurance premiums, or if you self-insure, there's, you know, huge amounts of money to save there. And then there's all sorts of indirect benefits as well. So it's, um, uh, I think we, we all love it because it's, you know, whatever way you look at it, it's a good thing that, that we're doing. And, and so that's something we love. Yeah, that's great, man. Anytime you can make employees safe and you're just making the world a better place, right? right. Um, I made myself a note that I, I can't tell uh, what it says. I, I I wrote down every employee comes home safe every night. And uh, that I don't know if that's like in the mission statement of the company, uh, but that would be an, an awesome uh, mission statement. Yeah, it, it is. It is our company vision. So perfect. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Talk about your experiences with fuel. What's that been like? Yeah, my, mine is uh, obviously different from the other folks that you're talking to because I live here and uh, I got thrown into it in the middle of it. So nice. um, Corey, our CEO, has been here for a lot of it as well. And, um, uh, you know, I, I got hired by him partway through it and um, have, have, I think, been been a part of it more than, more than expected because we're, we're about to close, actually this week, close our uh, new round of funding. So Corey's been tied up in Salt Lake City uh, with that. But my experience, um, first of all, you know, just from the beginning, everybody's been extremely welcoming. And it was a little odd at first coming into a group that had been together for a couple of weeks and already made friends, but uh, couldn't have been more welcoming. And, you know, I, I think all of us will, will say this, that one of the big benefits of it is uh, it's another opportunity to create some friendships and associations that, that I think we're all going to have for the rest of our lives and be able to rely on. And we're all doing different things, but related things in some way. And, you know, having the, that network, no matter if some of them are here or across the world or the country, uh, is just something that, that I think is invaluable. Um, the, the other thing I'd add is the, the mentorship network that, that you gain here. And, and I think you can get that regardless in Bentonville, that mm-hmm. I think is the sort of place where if, if you put yourself out there and ask, um, for, for some help, people are more than willing to do so, but it's obviously part of the mission of, of this. And it's been extremely helpful for, uh, for our company and, um, you know, just being able to get introduced to people and people just said, Hey, here's actually, let me just text you this person's contact and just, just tell them that, you know, so-and-so said to talk to him. And, um, that happens, I feel like every day right now. And, and it's, it's really opening up doors, helping us understand our markets better, or even lead to, to business, uh, you know, sales. So, yeah, I, it does happen every day. It happened right here in this studio, uh, about 40 minutes ago where somebody <laughs> said, I know exactly how to reach that person. Here's a phone number. And they made a text introduction a few minutes ago before we hopped on. So you're absolutely right. Um, I love that you talked about the mentorship piece. Uh, you're right in this town, you can find mentors everywhere and people willingly help but the opportunity to get fuel uh, mentorship through fuel means that those relationships are, or the or pairing of the the mentors, that's a curated thing. Right. And so it, it in and of itself is an accelerant and is a huge benefit uh, of this program. Um, so Bentonville, uh, you've been here the last few years. You first came uh, to Northwest Arkansas to Fayetteville from Silicon Valley and then moved to Bentonville a few years ago. And you've been in the region 10 years. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, 
you must have seen some pretty amazing growth in uh, those 10 years. Can you talk about um, what this place was like when you got here and then how it has evolved and how that has affected you personally? Yeah, well, I, I got to say my, my biggest regret is that I did not buy more property 10 years ago because, uh, <laughs> uh, but it is, it, it's remarkable how things have changed and, and continue to as well. I, I think when, when I had just moved here it was in 2013, um, I think the, the square in Bentonville was first going through its revitalization and, mm -hmm. and, um, I've always kind of known it as a square, but you see it continue to get just more popular and busier and just, uh, kind of the heart of the city. And, um, the, the amount of development that has been going on, some of it is, I, I think what shocked me was I moved here from San Francisco, not I grew up in Silicon Valley, but I lived in the actual city of San Francisco and there's not a spare lot in that city. Right. Um, and to come here and you, and this is still the case in some areas, there'll be pasture land that's just open, you know, in, in the middle of the city and to see stuff like that. And, and then, uh, you know, a year later, it suddenly might be, you know, a, a huge complex or something else developed there. And uh, that's, the the speed at which that's happening and um the the way those things are changing is is incredible but uh to part of your question what brought me out here is that i did a phd and uh decided to come out here to do it at the university of arkansas in fayetteville so that's originally what drew me out here and um you know we we stuck around it was kind of a, initially you know by accident my wife was working at walmart and had a really great job there got a promotion and we decided hey let's stick it out for a couple more years and uh, you know, now we own a home and, um, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's any plans to, to go anywhere else at this time. So that's cool that, uh, I've heard that story a number of times where somebody came out because, uh, one partner was associated in some way with Walmart or that ecosystem. And it didn't take them very long to realize this was home yeah. and they weren't leaving. Uh, so that's, a, that's a cool story. Um, I love that you said the square is the heart of the city. Um, that revitalization of the square, people talked about quality of life and revitalizing revitalizing squares and downtowns and so on for, I guess, seemingly decades, even before I was in economic development. Right. I'd hear chatter about those sort of things. And people would revitalize, especially in big city parts of downtowns and say, they revitalized their downtown. Um but then you have places like Bentonville uh, and you have cities of similar size all across the country that talked about it, but didn't do anything. And then Bentonville and Fayetteville and now Rogers and Springdale. Uh, but these cities were doing it. They were doing it in a time when everybody else was talking about it. And then it started causing this revitalization of the whole city and then this growth. And then people wanted to come here and they discovered what a cool place it was. And found all the uh, opportunities, both per both personally and professionally. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And the growth that was already happened, it was like they dumped fuel right, on the yeah. fire. Ah, there we got to finally say, uh, <laughs> use a, a fuel pun, uh, dump fuel on the fire. And the way this place has continued to grow, I feel like we're, we're still in the bottom of the J curve. In fact, the numbers demonstrate that we're still in the bottom of the J curve. It's getting steeper. Right. And it's pretty exciting uh, to be here and be a small part of it. Um, last question I have for you, Kevin, uh, I'd love to hear a hashtag because Bentonville story. 
That's something that happened where you look at it and you go, you know what? I think that could only happen in Bentonville or it describes the essence of this place. Yeah, I, I think that probably the one that, that happened most recently was actually uh, last Saturday. Um, Dexter and I were coming to, to meet up with you to go to the game. And yeah. uh, I, I happen to live on a street that's it's a, it's a dead end but it's, it's right off of J street. And so anytime there's any sort of race, whether it be a walk or anything, uh, it, it gets closed. Um, and, uh, I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, sometimes it's annoying if, if you're trying to get somewhere, but, but I think it's one of those kind of charms of Bentville is that there's so many times that street has been closed off because of a, a bike race. And we sat there for a couple minutes. We, we were fine. We were in a rush, but the, the number of bikes that rode by for, for this race was just, you, you kept thinking that this is the end of it. Right. And then another pack would come. And, uh, it's, it's, it's something that I, I think that, uh, you get used to living here. It's just, just part yeah. of it. Um, but you know, especially having Dexter in the car with me to, to see it was, was fun to see it kind of through his eyes. But that, that to me is, uh, you know, one of the things we, people, we talk about bikes here all the time, but, uh, it's, it really, really is a big thing. It really is. So I think that was Big Sugar. Right. And then uh, Outer Bike was over the weekend as well. And then uh, during the week and the weekend before, you had the Shift Conference and you had Little Sugar. Little Sugar. The week. Yeah. And we're in this period that like from about um, September to the start of November, every weekend, it's like these these bike races and conferences and summits and events are just all piled on top of each other. And it's really a cool time uh, to be here. And it's also the time when you start having the weather change. You I, know, I was going to say, I, I, it's probably no coincidence that they picked this, this time of the year. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's a beautiful time of year, right? I mean, yeah. that's one thing I love about this place is we do have these four moderate seasons, although occasionally some of them are severe for a few weeks <laughs> or feel that way. Uh, but we know we're always going to come back to these four moderate seasons. And, and if you're in the cycling community, I mean, there's... And we like to say you can ride 12 months out of the year. It's probably 50, five, zero weeks out of the year that, yeah, that you can yeah. ride. And you get some uh these occasions in December when the temperature sometimes is 70 or 75, just out of the blue. And it gives you this reprieve from the start of winter and you can right. go ride. It's, it's amazing. So, um, well, that's cool. Thank you for sharing uh, that story. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, thanks for coming on the Bill Beacon. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed this episode and the one before it about this current fuel cohort in the same way that I did. It's just fascinating hearing uh, everybody's stories and their companies and their experiences that they've had here in Bentonville and in particular with the fuel accelerator. Uh, as we wrap these two episodes up, I want to introduce you to Grace Gill, who is the operational manager for fuel. And by the way, you can check out in the last time that we did these episodes about fuel, you can check out an episode where we talk with, where I talk with Grace a little bit more and get a little bit more information about her. But today, Grace, I would like to ask you, I've got three questions for you. And the first one's about you. What is the most random thing that our audience should know about you? Well, a lot of the audience may know this now. I've been talking, more and more people know this about me now, but I am a competitive powerlifter. So I'm actually getting ready to jump on a plane tomorrow morning to go compete in the American Pro, um, the Super Bowl of powerlifting. So I'm really looking forward to competing at a really high level. 
Um, and so looking forward to doing that. And that is kind of the big, my big hobby, my big fun fact. Uh, so that that's me. Okay. So by the time this episode airs, we're going to hear about your latest world records and a cha- uh, maybe bring home a championship. You are going to bring home a championship ring. If they is actually it a ring did, you get? If they actually did rings, hopefully, yes. Okay, what do you, what do you get? Oh, you get a belt. A, better than that, just a big, heavy medal. <laughs> of course, you have to carry it around. Of course, Absolutely. that makes sense. And just out of curiosity, where is the American Pro being held? It's in Manassas, Virginia, so uh, nice. outside of D.C. Yeah, very cool. Okay, let's talk about fuel. Um, it, as fuel has evolved, what has been changing about the different fuel cohorts? Yeah, we've been running uh, the AI ML cohort out of fuel for the past four years now. Um, but something that we really focus on is making our cohorts non-competitive. Um, and so out of that, we're starting to see a lot of collaboration between the companies and the cohorts. Obviously, you've heard from the cohorts, they talk about how close they get and how the camaraderie within cohorts is really strong. But even across cohorts, we're seeing a lot of business development and new opportunities um, coming out of each of these companies working together, um, establishing roots um, in Northwest Arkansas. And like I said, just building a, a sense of camaraderie with each other. That's very cool. Yes, we did hear a lot of that from these teams about the camaraderie. I love that you're having this cross cohort uh, collaboration. Now you've built a real ecosystem and a family of companies that now that get to uh, work and build together. Yeah, absolutely. Even just last month, we had um, two of the previous companies who just announced a big collaboration come back to Northwest Arkansas to celebrate that, to promote that. So we were really excited to support them in that. Very cool. Uh, Tell our audience which two companies those were. Uh, Risk Karma and Queris. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, last question I have for you is, so somebody wants to apply or they, they're listening to these two episodes and thinking, I've got to get in fuel. Can I even apply? And what is the uh, application process and how do you select these companies? Absolutely. We uh, select our cohorts based on four main pillars. We look for team. We want to see a really strong team. We look for fit in the area. Um, We want to know that you're getting some good traction. And then, of course, um, the last one is product. (laughs) We want to know that your technology is good. Um, And so based on those four criteria, we look go through um, applications. We go through an interview process to make sure that we're bringing in the best companies into the new cohort. Um, and then if you're interested in applying, our applications for the AIML cohort open November 2nd. Um, and that uh, application will be open through the end of the year. And for the health tech program starting in April, and then for the AIML cohort in 2024, the applications for that will open around um, June. Okay, fuel for your health's April. Yes, and then AI ML is June. Yes, excellent. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much for uh, sharing just a little bit with us uh, today, uh, yeah, Grace. Absolutely, thank you. Hey, uh, thanks to our Bitville Beacon audience. Uh, you know, without you, this show could not be successful. Appreciate you uh, checking out these two uh, these two episodes with the Fuel Cohort. Please feel free to share these with your your friends and colleagues around the world. Tell everybody about Fuel um, so that we can have more amazing companies come here to experience Fuel and Bentonville, this place where you get more of what you want, less of what you don't. 
check out all of our episodes at bentonvillebeacon.com or on your favorite podcast player where, of course, you'll hit that subscribe button. Thanks. We'll see you next time.